Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. So my mandate this evening is to teach you how to meditate. To teach you how to meditate. Praise the Lord Jesus. To teach you how to meditate. Because today, because of the little information that has been discarded in the body of Christ, many Christians have given in to the deception of the world and are meditating according to forbidden wisdoms, wisdoms that are from hell itself. And indeed, the Bible says in Timothy that the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And that's what we're seeing in the body of Christ. We have seen ultimately that many Christians are giving heed to doctrines of devils in some aspects, especially in this thing called meditation. You find a Christian doing what you will call transcendental meditation. The meditation patterns of the new age. Some are borrowing from the Middle Eastern uh, philosophies or spiritualists. Uh, some are, are learning from witches and they're importing that into the church and they're calling that meditation yoga Christians are not supposed to do yoga that's the truth because when you study the foundation of this you'll find that it touches demonic worship I have said this before that when we talk about meditation in the world it talks about the emptying of the mind And then a man starts to meditate. In the biblical teaching of meditation, the mind must be filled with something before a man meditates. I've said that before. But I wanted to delve so deep into this thing and help us understand what meditation is, how to meditate. I want to show you the dimensions of meditation. I want to introduce you to the realms of meditation. Because when you understand this, it will change your life. Even the new age have started teaching it because they know these principles are true. Some of you have read things like um, the law of attraction. Huh? 
the power of positive thinking. Huh? Is it Norman who? Peel or something? And all these other people that are teaching. And unfortunately, many of these new age teachers are relying on the ability of man to create. And to a large extent, man even without God can create. We know that in Genesis. That one time the earth was with one language and one speech. These people were not submitted or subservient to God. They were rebelling against God. They built Babylon. Babel, meaning to rebel. They were rebellious. But the Bible says that they told themselves, let us build a tower that shall reach the heavens. And even God looking down at them said, these people are now one and they have one language and this they begin to do, God says. Now, nothing shall be restrained from them which they imagined to do. These people are not born again. They are not in a relationship with God. But he has said nothing they imagined to do shall be impossible with them, shall be restrained from them. You cannot underestimate the power of imagination, whether it is with a man who knows God and a man who doesn't know God, but I can truly tell you that if it's with a man who knows God, you will see or experience God's perfect will for mankind. You'll experience God's best. Remember, man is created in the image and likeness of God. So even in his most fallen nature, his DNA carries the likeness of God. And that's a very fundamental thought. Are you following me, child of God? It's a very fundamental thought. And when you read these new age people, you find there's quite a lot they're able to do. Well, everything they say or teach, you find that it's founded for most of the things we hear them say. It's really laws that you can find in scripture, but they incline to humanism. That world where man is God and they create that place of being God, capital G. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's not the way that God has taught us in scripture. Now today, I want to just take time to open your eyes to understand how God defines this thing. You will change your world. This is the truth. Number one, I say this once and I'm going to reiterate it because it's not far long ago that I said it so some of you can connect to what I'm going to teach tonight. Nobody, nothing in this world is stronger than you in your realm. Nothing. No devil is stronger than you in your realm. No human being can influence you stronger than your will. Not even God is stronger than a man in his realm. That is why at one point he strived with man in Genesis 6, 3. And the Bible says, God lost that fight and said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh. 
a man can resist God until God would kill him. But if a man has said no, God can't force that man to say yes. If God can't force you to agree, neither can the devil or anything in this world. And that's a very important aspect to understand underlyingly. Put that mental note as I teach whatever I'm going to teach this evening. That is why he gave you will. You're not a robot that you are programmed to respond to love or to love. It's not in your configuration as a robot. He gives you the choice to either say yes or no. It's the way of salvation. He will tell you what he has done by Christ and give you an open invitation to say yes or no. You have the right to say no. God is not going to force you to get born again. If Christians understood this fundamental truth, you'd realize that it's not possible except by ignorance to be afflicted, possessed, and tormented by the devil. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Nobody In the days of ignorance, he can manipulate a man to give in to his deception. But only because that man is ignorant or deceived. But if the man knows truth, nobody, nothing in this world from hell can disturb a man's life. Nothing. That's very important to know. God has given us this thing called the mind. It's a very powerful thing. The Bible says, with my mind, I serve the law of God. With my mind, I serve the law of God. This faculty serves God, can serve God. And you can use this faculty to serve the devil as well. When the Bible speaks of the law of God, it is the law of faith. That your mind is a get to multi-dimensions of life. Some that your eyes, your physical eyes can see and some your physical eyes cannot see. But they are eons, they are ages and they exist. Remember, we live in worlds ages the bible says by faith we understand that the worlds eons ages were framed by the word of god the word of god framed worlds plural what is an eon what is an age it's more than just a fixed time in life it's more than that when you find a madman walking on the road and i've given this example you can say this man is in his world you see and in that world there are realities that you who is normal might not be able to see you can find this madman talking to some people and you might assume that they don't exist oh yes in his world they exist because he's seeing in the world of the spirits. 
and they can carry a foreman, he can say, oh, they are coming to kill me. And then you ask him, who is killing you? You don't see anybody. But the man sees them. This mind can open up many worlds. Right now, by your mind, you can go home and sit in your living room right now while you're in the service, in your mind. And even get a bowl of porridge or a plate of pork and start eating away. Are you following what I'm saying? You can go anywhere in your mind. And wherever you go in your mind, actually by God is your reality. You should never forget that. But because people don't know how this principle works, many don't understand that the way of life has a very deliberate design. God distinctively designed the way of life with some fundamental principles or laws that govern that way of life. I'll give you an example. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. As a man thinketh, so he is. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. The Bible doesn't say, so does he become. Your thought process is not where you go. It is where you are. That's why you can talk to somebody and see that they are absent and you ask them, where are you? Because I see I'm talking to you, but you're, you're somewhere else. Your mind is lost. Now, even to think of this fundamental truth that as a man thinketh so he is, it means even if a man is stage four cancer and they're about to die and they think that they don't have cancer, that man does not have cancer. And this is the thing that blew me when the Lord spoke it. He said to me, that whatsoever you desire or ever to desire to walk in, in truth, and I emphasize the word truth, whatever you'll ever desire to walk in, in truth. In other words, using the truth as your foundation for you to connect to the things that are freely given to you by Christ or through the agency of the person of the Holy Spirit as it continues to reveal to you these things. Now, because you can speak of things you desire, but they are not in line with the truth of God. So I emphasize again, God told me that whatever you will desire or ever seek to walk into by truth, you have to first become it. Did you get it? you have to first become it in your mind. That is why I have said this before, that the Hebrew language, from where your Bible is written in the Old Testament, that sacred language that God used to speak to mankind, does not speak in future tense. The Hebrew language does not have future tense. In Hebrew, you can't say, I will be rich. In Hebrew, you can't say, I will be married. You say, I am married. I am rich. Even yet there is no manifestation physical of that reality. God has not designed the way of life for a man to speak.
peek into his future as though these are things to come. He has designed man to speak into the future as though these things are already existent. The God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He didn't say as though they will become. He says as though they were. It's a very fundamental thing. I'm trying to still lay the foundation of meditation. That is why because of these fundamental laws, meditation is judged. Your meditations are judged. The Bible says in the book of Psalms verses 49, and I'm going to read many scriptures from the Psalms because David, I think to me, taught me meditation more than any writer in the Bible. And while I explain this, you'll appreciate why I'm saying what I'm saying. For me, David is the man that really taught me how to meditate biblically in truth. So I'm going to read many Psalms, but bear with me. Now, I said meditation is judged. You read Psalms 49 verses 3. He says, my mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. In other words, all meditation, divine meditation should be with or of understanding. A man should not meditate without the foundation of understanding that scripture has given. Because like I said earlier, it's possible for you to meditate outside the will of God. It's possible for you to meditate outside the truth because you don't understand the realms of meditation. You don't understand the dimensions of meditation. You don't know how to do it. You do it the wrong way. You do it the wrong way. Let me give you an example. When Paul is talking to Timothy, his son, he prepares him as a minister and plants all these seeds of consecration in this young man's heart. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 15, he tells him, meditate upon these things which he had taught him. Meditate upon these things. And he told him, give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Now, fundamentally one before I go into the deeper part. Any man who knows how to meditate in the things of God will be so profitable that everybody who observes them will know that there is something happening with this person that is distinct. Can I say it again? Everybody who has learned the secret of meditating through scripture or by the way of the spirit of truth, that man, if you take time to really meditate as God has taught us and give yourself wholly to the things you see, he says your profiting will appear to all. To all. Everybody who knows you will be able to testify that there is something progressive about your life. It is possible to catch the eye of everyone who observes you. 
you might revive or offend but even if they are offended they'll recognize that whatever is on you that has offended them has made you different Bible says God teaches us to profit isn't it the Bible says that God teaches us to profit it is the mandate of God to make sure that he makes every child profitable now if God teaches us to profit this is one of those things he uses to make us profit Isaiah 48 verse 17 he says that saith the Lord thy Redeemer the Holy One of Israel and the Lord thy God which teacheth thee to what to profit which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go amazing listen the word says that thou should go I am leading you in the way that you should go I have to teach you to profit that means you should profit eh? tap somebody and tell them I've heard that you see that's the way you should go that means I'm right to say that every Christian should be profitable if you're a pastor you should be profitable if you're a business person you should be profitable if you're a career person at your workplace they should be profit on your life enough to catch the attention of your boss to say mm, when we're looking for somebody to promote Sandra is the woman somebody shout hallelujah you should profit you should get out of rent one day and build your own house you should you should educate your children because that's profit you should get married because it's profit eh. you should do big for God because it's perfect. It's the way you should go. You have no choice. You must be a success. So those of you who fear the lights, prepare. You're already a light. Hallelujah. You're just attracting your kind, your tribe, your nature. Am I teaching? So if it teaches us to profit, meditation is one of the core lessons of profit. He says meditate upon these things give thyself wholly to them that your profiting may appear unto all now he's telling timothy the things he should give himself to and meditate about because there are things that you're not supposed to meditate about you see maybe let me take you back to the principle i first talked about earlier if i said that whatever you want to walk into by truth, you should first become it in your mind for it to manifest in your physical realm. Let's just say you're suffering with a disease. Let me give you an example. You're suffering with a disease. Okay? You have to first affirm the reality of health. And from that reality of health in your mind, you start claiming your right according to the jurisdiction given by Christ in 1 Peter 2 24 who is on self bore our sins on the cross that we being dead and to sins should live unto righteousness by his stripes he says ye were not are going to be not could be or will be when you pray ye were healed you see so because ye were healed you begin from a healthy place even though the doctors say you have an incurable disease now from that place, like I said, you have to first become it in the mind. Convince yourself until you are persuaded. If you're not yet persuaded, you're not yet there. 
The path to become begins with the grace of persuasion. When a man gets to a place where they're fully convinced that they are that thing. Fully convinced that they are that thing. That's the power to become. The power to become does not begin when a man manifests a thing. It begins when a man is persuaded of that thing in the mind. This is powerful. So, let's just say you have an ailment in your body, but you become healthy in your mind. Right? Now, once you convince your subconscious mind of this reality, your psyche of this reality, that you are healthy, and then come to claim your right as one which is healthy, to tell the devil, align yourself to speak to your body and tell it, get in order, because I am healthy. That's a man who is meditating right in understanding like the psalmist says in 49 some of you meditate from a place of sickness and you meditate <laughs> to be healed i'm meditating my healing you'll not heal you're supposed to be meditating your health your mouth speaks wisdom not folly he says, my mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Meditate according to the pattern given in scripture. Even if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Become rich in your mind. Even when you don't have money for rent. Even when you don't even have transport back home. But become rich here first. And build that mark, put it in your spirit until you, the reality is there that you can separate and know this is who I am. You have the story of the lady with cancer. She says in her own words, somebody gave her my summons and she started listening. And she played them nonstop. What was she doing? She was listening to truth. The reality of what is done. Healing Chronicles, when you listen to those summons, I'm teaching what God has already done by Christ. I was trying to get her here through the word. And in her own words, she said, she gets to a point where she realizes, mm, this is light, sickness is darkness. You see, that realization, yes, the body is not yet in order, but that realization that I am light, I'm the light of the world, the light of the glorious gospel is resident in the inside of my being and sickness is a place of darkness. When light shines in darkness, darkness cannot comprehend. When you get in a dark place and put on light, oh, you don't even need to rebuke sickness. Sickness goes. That's what she saw. That's when now she gets a vision of Lubega and then the angel appears to her and then the healing comes. You see, some of you, that's how you're going to get your healing. That's how you're going to get your healing. That's how you're going to get out of poverty. Same principle. Convince. It's like, I wish I had time to teach about how to keep an active spirit because some of your spirits sometimes sleep you see so 
while men are asleep at night the enemy comes and shows what tears the new testament dispensation has given us the grace to not only have the most active spirits but the guarantee that they don't need to sleep or switch off or disconnect or pause because you can pause your spirit from activity you can pause it i'll give you an example if you took cocaine right now and you're born again whether you want it or not those are the doors that really pause or can put your spirit to sleep because another spirit has to come and take over you see what i'm saying there are many ways you can find yourself in that place there are certain doors you can open and cause your spirit to sleep but there are many ways you can stay awake in the spirit and active in the spirit 24 hours a day even in the night in fact scientists neuroscientists have proved that when a person goes to sleep i think there's a state they enter called theta huh? that even though they are like in a hypnotic state as if like you're sleeping neuroscientists have proved now that even in that stage your subconscious mind can hear it's awake are you following what i'm saying that is why i tell people if you must put on a summon and sleep on a summon because your your physical mind might not get this but your spirit man is hearing he's receiving everything your subconscious your consciousness the place in you that hears god is alert and it is awake some of you the whole night you leave it idle at least put on some worship that is why i tell people those last 10 15 minutes before you sleep are important to set the right mindset before you go to bed and the first 10 15 minutes when you wake up are very important in setting your day according to the mindset that you have some of you go to bed and you don't consecrate that place and open yourself up to any form of attack in the night before i sleep my meditations are this the bible says my sleep shall be sweet i tell myself that as my body rests your experiences pursue me i must hear you i will see you even in the night the bible says you instruct my reins so i thank you because instruction comes even as i rest before i know that i get visions in the night and jesus is teaching me or i'm walking somewhere and i'm seeing things and i'm connecting and i wake up in the morning and and i write those things down because some 16 verses 7 is true i will bless the lord who has given me counsel my reins also instruct me in the night seasons even when you're asleep there's instruction coming to your spirit as a man whose spirit is alive that is why some of you wake up with certain awareness a certain conscious a certain knowledge of things that you don't know where they came from you don't know how they accumulated in your mind but because when you went to bed you prepared your spirit for so i got the gates of my mind every night my wife is my witness i say i refuse any spirits any devils 
to transact with my mind while I sleep in the night. My spirit is active and awake to connect to the will and purposes of God. These are important things for you to prepare yourself. Some of you, you just go to bed. Sandra, Sandra, it's time. Then you get up, you dress. <laughs> Tap somebody and tell them that's not how Christians wake up. Yeah. I learned this from Smith Wigglesworth. The moment I put my legs down in the morning on the bed, bah, I speak under my breath. I speak a few tongues and say, my day has begun. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job 38 verses 12, he says, Has thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day springs to know his place? This is God speaking to Job. That the mornings have to be commanded. They have to be commanded. Put your feet on the ground and say, Makobradega. Then go and brush your teeth and bathe. It might even be a short sentence, Karabodiga. That's enough. You don't need to shout for everybody to know you're born again. You know, some of you, even your neighbors don't want to live with you because you don't know how to pray silent. You must scream, Sata! Kora! So your Indian neighbor thinks something is wrong. <laughs> no, just wake up in the morning. Very soft tone, but firm and say, Karabodaga. Sheta Katala Para. Praise God. You start your day that way. Your meditations are important as you go to sleep. Those last 10, 15 minutes are important to be in the right state of mind. Somebody can sow a seed of discord in your life. A seed and tell you, Kenneth is a thief. And then, you don't separate gossip from truth. And you don't consecrate those minutes of going to bed. Then you go to bed and the devil comes to affirm what the serpent spoke through the other individual. And then you dream and then you say, ah, God showed me Kenneth is a thief. I swear. Do you know how many people are in trouble because somebody dreamt something wrong about you? Put up your hand if somebody has ever dreamt something sick and you're like, but what's wrong with people? Yes. Those of you who haven't, it's coming. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because somebody sowed the wrong seed in their spirit. And their spirits are not awakened enough to separate what is truth and what is not. So Paul tells Timothy, there are things you are to meditate on and there are things you're not supposed to meditate. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are virtue, if there be any praise of them, think on these things. Verses 9, Philippians. Those things which you have both learned, that means this is what Paul was teaching, and received 
and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Some of you are thinking of the demon of your auntie. Which spirit was sent to you last week? Who is bewitching you on Tuesday? Who sent the witchcraft last year? The things you're thinking about. But some of us are thinking of things pure. Things good. Things lovely. Things of praise. He says that's the line of your meditation. Become in thought and speak yourself into manifestation as one who is let your confession be as one who is because meditation is judged and god can judge your meditation and say mm -mm. that's why the man says let the meditations of my heart be what acceptable and to you because some of you meditate things that are unacceptable to the way of truth in Luke 21 verses 14 Jesus Christ gives us a, an example and says one day you're going to stand before people who are going to question your faith that you'll be put before councils to explain your these, your cult, your these, explain to us. We hear you say that people should sin, <laughs> like some people think that we teach. And Jesus says, that's not a realm you should meditate. He says, settle it therefore in your heart not to meditate before what you shall speak. Because God has not designed you to meditate to answer the devil. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's not just the way of the spirit. You're not designed to meditate the answer you should give Satan. In that time, verses 15, the Bible says, I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gain, send, or resist. So we don't meditate how to answer those who hate us. That's not meditation. If you're doing that, then Jesus said that's ungodly. It's not your place to meditate how to answer the devil. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely of virtue, that's our meditation. When we get into those realms, the wisdom of God just flows out of us. None can debate me, none. None. Even with the, doesn't matter how much PhD on their head. Yeah, you bring a dead person, I bring a dead person and I say you pray. You understand? The God that answers by fire. <laughs> hey, we got tired of speaking. Bring a crippled, I bring a crippled and say, now pray. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God comes and you find yourself answering in such a way. Why? Because you're speaking from the abundance of understanding. Hallelujah, child of God. Now, so our meditations are always fixed in the way of truth not outside truth never forget that and there are three realms of meditation remember i've already told us we're not to meditate of anything negative we're to meditate of truth or in truth but as we meditate in truth there are three realms of meditation 
The first is the realm of precepts, meditating on God's law, right? Psalms 119 verses 97, if you read the Amplified Version, Psalms 119 verses 97, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. It's my meditation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation. Verses 98, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For your words are ever before me. And he says, I have better understanding and deeper insight than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. I'll touch that a bit later. I understand more than the aged because I keep your precepts. And this is what I do. Hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying. It's important the mindset you carry right now as you're receiving truth. As I'm giving his precepts, it's important the mindset. Because if you don't have a disciplined spirit, if you don't have a quiet spirit, I have a sermon on that if you have not heard it. I preached a sermon recently called Quieting Your Spirit. Learning how to quiet your spirit. If your spirit is loud, even when you're in a congregation where everyone is preaching, you could be here and I'm teaching and everybody's quiet, including yourself, but you're not here. A million thoughts are rushing through your head. You're thinking of things at a supersonic speed, even you can't control. You're in church, you're thinking of who is pregnant, who didn't come with their husband, who almost hit you at the door. You're like your brain is all right now. You're with you think about your uncle, what he did to you. You understand? Some of you think it's healthy, but let me tell you, it takes a certain discipline to know now I'm listening to the word of God and nothing should change my course or catch my attention except this thing that I'm hearing. That is why there are people who cannot sit under sound teaching. They would get bored. They say, I'm in church, I like worship. But when they start teaching, <laughs> the spirit sleeps. <laughs> and a man says, I desired your word more than necessary food. You're living the same plane of a man with such an understanding. So he says, I love your law. The place of, there's a realm of his precepts. This is the foundation of revelational insight. One of the five vantage points of sight. To be able to see through the word. To see the things that nobody can explain to you except the person of the Holy Spirit. You must have the ability to meditate in his precepts. And there are dimensions to the precepts as well. I'll touch them. And here he says, once you understand that, there's something so deep here when he says that I have better understanding and deeper insight than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditations. And he says, and I understand more than the aged because I keep your precepts. He says, I hear, receive, love, and obey them. There's something that starts to advantage you above all that teach you. There's something that starts to age you by reason of the things you know and see in God. 
there are people who are 40 or 30, but spiritually they are 200 years old. And there are people who are 70, have been born again for 40 years, but spiritually they're like 20 years old because spiritual age is different from physical age. And age advances spiritually by the graces that you are able to connect to as you know God. Now in this instance, he has said that a man can even grow higher than his teachers. He's not saying that you are greater than them. He's saying that you will see even beyond what they taught. Your eyes will start connecting things. There's a person here, as I'm speaking, there are things you're connecting. I've not said them, but you already are connecting things. You see what I'm saying? Because you have mastered the art of meditating in precept. Yet on the same ground, there's somebody who is saying, what is he saying? I don't understand what he's saying. Are you following what I'm saying? This is the thing that will always place you ahead of your peers. This is the thing that will set you first. This is the things that rank us and quicken our progress in the spirit to meditate in his precepts. The next realm is his testimonies, which you read in verses 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. The word therefore testimonies is experiences, spiritual experiences. That much as you can meditate in the word precepts, there's also a provision in God to give you some spiritual experiences for your meditation. To ponder and think through those things. I'll give you an example. When Peter is at the rooftop praying, hungry. The Bible says that he goes into a trance. You remember? As one which is asleep. He sees a four-cornered sheet with all uh, animals, with four-legged animals. You remember? And then God tells him, kill and what? And eat. And Three times the voice comes to Peter and tells him, kill and eat. No, Lord, I shall not eat anything that is what? Common or unclean. And after that, the Bible says, after that vision, Peter took time to ponder to think on that vision. He didn't ignore it. He took time to think on that vision. The Bible says, as he pondered, the Spirit said, as he meditated on that testimony, as he meditated on that witness, as he meditated on that vision, while Peter was meditating, Read it in the Amplified, Acts 10, 19. And while Peter was earnestly revolving the vision in his mind uh, and meditating on it, the Holy Spirit said, behold, three men are looking for you. So there's a realm where we are given grace to meditate in the experiences we receive of God. Some of you have dreams, right? And these dreams carry messages. And when you wake up, you just don't wake up and say, I dreamt when a cat was chasing me. And then you just go away. God says, no. Take time back and ponder. 
meditate of that experience. What is the meaning? Some of you see visions. I remember in my primal years of consecration, God gave me a clear vision of my assignment. And I pondered on it for seven months. Seven months every morning I was just pondering on one vision. I just felt the Spirit telling me, stay, stay, stay until you get the full counsel. It took me seven months to get the full assignment of my ministry from the day I received that vision. But every morning I was revolving in my mind, meditating. What did this mean, Lord? What did this mean, Lord? What did this mean, Lord? And in the most amazing way, one of those, after about seven days, seven months of meditating on that thing, I'm walking in the living room. During that time, I was living with my parents. And there's this wonderful preacher on television. And he says, there's somebody watching me. You have a question on this. This is a question I'd been asking for seven months from the vision I'd received from God. And he answered me right there. It was about 9.30 p.m. You get it? But to attract these realities that bring the answers to your meditation, the spirit must be disciplined enough to keep on the course, to stay waiting on the Lord until you get that answer. Some of you, the reason why you're not even yet assigned spiritually is on the day when you received that vision, you didn't take that time to meditate. You didn't take that time to allow that vision to revolve in your mind to bring understanding as Peter did. And when you don't do that, then you suppress or frustrate the ministry of the Holy Spirit to tell you the next step. Because when he continued to ponder and meditate, then the Spirit told him, behold, three men are looking for you. They come from a house of a man called Cornelius. And that's the beginning. That's how the gospel was opened to the Gentile church through this man called Peter by that one vision. I know many people who have received such wonderful visions that could have been a precursor, a foundation, the beginning of their assignment and the course that they should pursue on the earth, but they didn't understand how this works. They buried them. They don't even remember them. You know, some of you think that what you remember is what's the will of God. No. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that was depicting the destiny of his kingdom. God literally told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to befall his kingdom. And the Bible says he forgot it. God can even warn you that you're going to die of a car accident and the enemy comes in the night and steals it. Oh, how wasn't I warned? No, but the dream came. That is why when Nebuchadnezzar is looking for an interpreter, he's looking for a man who both will tell him the dream he dreamed and the interpretation of that dream. That's what makes Daniel special. Imagine a man telling you, I'll tell you what you dreamt and I'll tell you its meaning. Shaves his beard. He knows. He, he knows. He knows. He knows. He knows that a window has been opened and there is no, that is why, let me tell you, if you remember the time when they built this image for people to worship of Nebuchadnezzar and you know they get all these boys Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to put them in the fire because they had refused to bow before uh, this uh, statue do you remember that Daniel was not mentioned anywhere 
It was as if they didn't know Daniel didn't. Yet Daniel didn't. He was not in that level. That man, he was not in that level. So much as we celebrate men who are not consumed in the fire or by the fire because they have a fourth man. There's also another level in the spirit where a man is even hidden from that fire. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. Daniel was there, but nobody could talk about him. The cover of cloud on his life could not allow any man to even point at him that he hasn't. Now that's power. That's power. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a place or there is a realm where the experiences must carry interpretation. And the place of meditation will help you connect to God's purpose. The last realm is the realm of God's works. We meditate on his works. Psalms 143 verses 5. Again, you see I'm in the Psalms. The Amplified Version says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I ponder the work of your hands. It's like sometimes when I'm healing the sick, sometimes I, I can read a story in the Bible like um, Blind Bartimaeus or a story like raising Jairus' daughter. And then, you meditate on that work. You create a mental image of what it should have looked like. And in fact, I've realized this, uh, when you exercise your spirit to a place of total surrender, it's amazing. It's almost as though you don't create that reality. It's almost as though your spirit is carried to that reality. You know, it's one thing to imagine a thing. It's another to feel God carrying you to that event. I've had those experiences. Some of you have. You understand what I'm saying. So you feel the invitation of the Spirit taking you to carry a mental image of that experience. And as you meditate on that work and it fills your spirit enough, I find that I don't need to pray for the sick. I just speak. I say there are tumors right now disappearing. Teeth are growing and you start to see them grow. But what's happening in the inside of my spirit? I'm agitating. I'm pressing. I'm meditating on a work of Christ. There's so much power when your spirit eye can see the work of God. The work of God. To carry the reality of that experience in your spirit, there's just an anointing that comes. You start feeling it charge the atmosphere. You start feeling it literally start to settle on. You see what's happening? You see what's happening? It's a charge. It's an anointing. It's not something you can fake. It's available. But these are years of learning to meditate. You understand? So when I meditate on the glory of God, like it's like heaven opens. And the presence is intensifies. And sometimes I can see angelics moving. I can see the person of the Holy Spirit touching people and ministering to individuals. I can see the healing. I can see. But it begins from observing the works of God. Even to see how God creates. 
It almost as though throws you into the world of the miraculous. It activates your creative faculties. Jesus says, I do as I see my father do. You see, if you carry the ability to be able to see what God is doing, the law of translation just takes place immediately. It's as though things are imported from the realm of the spirit and they're manifesting in the physical realm. Real time. Real time. Are you following what I'm saying? Even when men are not conscious of what you're experiencing, the reality will manifest. Hallelujah. So to ponder on God's works is an important thing. You remember, I think it was again the psalmist. He says sometimes he would wake up and his soul is in the dumps. Sometimes he finds himself in trouble. You're in a debt you can't come out of. You've gotten an attack on your body and you can't explain where it came from. You are in some sort of trouble, any way, any sort of trouble. And he says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Now he's talking to his soul. And he says, why are you crying the blues? He says, fix my eyes on God. Soon I will be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. Now listen, next verse. He says, when my soul is in the dumps, this is now David saying, when I am sad, when I'm in trouble, when I find myself in some sort of frustrations, I rehearse everything I know of you. And he says, from the Jordan depths to the Hammon Heights, including Mount Misa. Now you might ask yourself, what are the Jordan depths? What is Hammon Heights and Mount Misa? These were all places before where David got victory. One time he's in Jordan and he's under attack and then he defeated his enemies and then he went on Hammon Heights and then his enemies came attacking and he defeated them and when he was at Mount Misa they came against him and he had overwhelming victory so he says sometimes when my soul is in the dumps i go back to the works i remember what god did and i replay and then i remember that yes i'm struggling with this flu but there was a time i entered that hospital and the doctor told me that this thing you're suffering from you have three days you have four days you have five days you have six days and somehow i came out of that trouble and once you replay the the works of God, it should set adrenaline in your spirit. Patala Bradegat. He meditate on the works of God and say, mm -mm. Diabetes, you won't kill me. Hypertension, you won't kill me. I've beaten hard things. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Even to know that headache is killing you, but you survived an accident and four people in that car died. You say, mm -mm. <laughs> there was a time I was going to die instantly and somehow that car rolled and I came out without a scratch. Surely God did not bring me this far to die on a migraine headache. That's a man who understands. Arrest tell people, if you ever find yourself and you have no adrenaline, no fuel to move on. Look back at the power that started you. 
Some of you, you came from Charugawa. <laughs> Some of you, you're that power got you from Masaka. Some of you, you were poor things in Kayunga. Now you're owning things. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of you, Rushere, where Mitoma, you came from Kitgum. You know, your family was never, you're the first graduate. It, come on, come on, come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You're the first person to get into a plane, going from one country to another country. You're the first person in your family. To, and you say mm -mm. the power that lifted me was too strong hallelujah you just go back yes I lost all the money in this business but I was born with nothing and I came to Kampala and I started a shop somewhere in Mansana and that shop started bringing things and somehow I bought a car I can see it I built a house and I can see it if I could do this before the power that began me is still with me he that began that good work in your life he shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ meditation Hey, you're suffering from this. I've defeated bigger. <laughs> the works of God. Hallelujah. Now I want to go to the dimensions because they are connected to the realms. There are different dimensions in the realms. I've just shared. Okay. I was sharing the realms of meditation. Now I'm going to give you the dimensions of these realms. The dimensions of meditation. There is a Hebrew word called shiak. Shiak. It's a dimension that teaches you to commune, to study, to ponder, to put forth thoughts. It's the place that teaches you to pray. Some people don't know that meditation is prayer. If you sit and meditate, you're actually praying. Some people think prayer is ropa dada, ropa baba. No. And some of you, you talk when you're not supposed to be talking. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, uh, 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 pray in understanding. Now I want you silent. So Shiak, that realm, allows you to contemplate. It makes your heart palatable it opens your spirit for God to indulge you at your level of understanding to help you grow to the next phase of understanding it happens in the realm of precepts because even in his law he speaks to you according to your level of maturity in experiences he speaks to you according to your level of maturity even in the works in observing his works he will minister to you according to the level that you are able to comprehend. To the dimension you're able to comprehend. But the reason why we understand these dimensions is to grow in them because the deeper you are able to commune, the deeper you are able, also siak means to study. It's the realm of study. It's the realm where you allow God to teach you what you didn't know. Either in his precepts or in the experiences 
Okay, let me go back to Peter. Peter has an experience. He's meditating on that experience. You remember? The Spirit tells him, go to the house of Cornelius and preach the gospel. And as he's preaching the gospel, the biggest revelation of understanding hits his spirit because he never thought that God had come for the Gentiles. He thought that God had only come for the lost house of Israel. You remember? He thought God had not chosen the Gentiles himself. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, now Sia came. That place of understanding came. He says, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. This is a reality that he came on to through from the beginning of these experiences, meditating and pondering on them. But then we see the elevation of his understanding concerning God's will and purposes. And now later when we're hearing Paul speak, Paul is actually established in that reality. He says, and this is the mystery that was hid from the ages past and now revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the justification of the Gentile church. That God would justify the Gentiles through faith. This was a reality that Paul received in understanding also when he separated himself after being consecrated in Damascus to preach the gospel for a short time. The Bible says he went into Arabia. From the time he comes from Arabia, Okay, that's where the meditations of the message and that reality hits him. By the time he comes from Arabia, by the time he comes through Damascus to go back to Jerusalem, he already has the understanding that God is justifying the Gentiles through faith. And not only that, he has been chosen, him and Barnabas, to go to the Gentiles which are uncircumcised, as it was given to Peter, James, and John to the circumcised. But if a man carries no maturity to pick this in the spirit by their consecration and the place of communion, they miss the assignment. They can stay gifted, but they miss the assignment. Are you learning something? So you realize that even in that realm of precept or experiences or works, there's a dimension, there are dimensions, there are degrees in how much a man ponders, in how much a man is able to study, in how much a man is able to commune, but also to pray. Okay? Psalm 77 verses 6. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. Listen, I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent such. You see, I commune with my own heart. He says, I commune in my heart with God and my spirit made diligent such. This is a seeker. This is a man trying to search out the things of the spirit. Yes, everybody's receiving these precepts. Everybody's receiving this message. But not everybody's going to search out this message. There are people right now listening to me. You're going to hear this message. You're going to get into your car, go back home, have yourself some burger, wait for next Thursday or Sunday to come. There's somebody else going to go back home, release unto this someone once, twice, thrice, even write notes, study even deeper the context to understand what God is saying. He's digging, he's digging, he's digging, he's digging. He's meditating. Shiak, right? But there's somebody who has just received that message and that's it, it's the end. They're not going to listen to it again. Because for them, they wanted a husband. And you have not addressed that issue of a husband. Asuman is running away. Asuman is running away. Call him back, Pastor. Asuman is running away. <laughs> you see, I call to remembrance my song in the night and I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent. 
So when he speaks of Psalms 104, 34, where I spoke in, where he says, may my meditation be sweet to him. As for me, I will rejoice in the Lord. May my meditation be sweet to him. Shiak. May it be a place of study. May it be a place that he will open these portals of revelation and knowledge for me to commune with him. May it be a place where I can express my thought to him and carry the humility to receive his instruction and correction where I don't get it. That's a place of communion. That's a place of intimacy. That's a place of praying men. That's a place of hungry people who want to know more than getting a visa. Hallelujah. It's a dimension. The next dimension is called Higayon. Higayon. Higayon is the art of learning to create a sound in the spirit in light with the truths revealed to you concerning a matter. Higayon is a place that resounds some musical notations. It's the place that either through praise or through spiritual warfare, you learn the art of releasing sound, some sound in the spirit. It can be as an act of worship to God in your worship. It can also be as an act of spiritual warfare if you must. Hallelujah. And in Psalms 19 verses 14, when he says, let the words of my mouth and the higayon of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. This is exactly what he was saying. That let me praise the way you accept let me fight the way you agree with the way you have designed in truth to but it's a place that bats song it's the place where you sometimes are doing your own things and you start feeling a song coming in your heart that's the song then before you know it you're walking and your heart is singing your heart is singing. How many of you, how many of you, how many of you have ever gone to bed and you wake up and the cassette song is ripped? That's exactly what I'm saying. It's a very consecrated place. You're releasing a sound. And you say, ah, but there's this song that is in my head that's been playing. And I know Oh my day, I will sing. Yeah. Hey. Oh. oh. Now you don't have a good voice. But the Bible says singing. It says speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and sometimes as you're singing that thing it's amazing do you know you can invite a man into your frequency as you're singing oh, I will sing and it happens to me and my wife many many times sometimes she can be singing a song in her heart she's not doing anything mm -hmm. 
and I connect to the frequency. I also don't know, but the same thing comes into my heart. So as she's standing, she hears me singing. Oh, yes, yes. that's what I was singing. That was I was singing. <laughs> How many of you have ever gotten? Somebody is singing the song that is in your heart. That means somebody has connected to your frequency. Some of you don't know that when you start to pray or meditate, there's somebody in the world connecting. That is why even at night when I'm praying, I say, Father, I'm praying for the sick right now. And I always repeat and I say, for any man who is able to connect to my frequency right now. That is why some people dream me praying for them. They dream me touching them, laying hands. Because I do that when I'm praying in my personal space. I say, Father, right now as I'm speaking, I feel that the anointing of God is present. And if there's anybody right now who is able to connect to this frequency, I speak healing right now on the sick. And somebody says, I, I dreamt when Apostle Grace was telling me, you know. But where did that begin from? You see? So here he says you're making songs, singing melody in your heart to the Lord. Higeon. It's a place that produces sound. So sometimes it can come through your revelation of God. Sometimes it can come through an instruction that you were learning something. You, you are studying something a certain revelation hit your your spirit like the shiaka is preaching about he says i call to remembrance my song you see as he was in the precept he called to remembrance his song a song came to his spirit and you start singing because music worship is spiritual it's deep that is why it's important to have the right revelation of god because you might worship in the wrong revelation some of you are singing the wrong revelation he will help me. He will help me. <laughs> Become before it manifests. You're supposed to be singing, He has helped me. That's the place where you break forth in tongues and start singing. Bible says he that speaks in tongues builds himself up. Sometimes you have to create that time and sing. That world is so deep. So deep. You're expressing your spirit according to the revelation of God you know. Just to sing, I am more than a conqueror. Spirit of the Lord is working in me. Uh, this is original composition, I'm not writing. <laughs> Just to sing that song. That's why some of you, you wake up with songs you have never heard anywhere. And then one color, ah, do I have a witness? And then a line starts singing in your heart. That's a place of consecration. Once you learn that world, you're going to be shocked at how much charged you can be. That's the thing that charges any minister. Even in spiritual warfare. Oh, I'm, I was healed. 
The life of God is in my body. I don't fall sick. <laughs> hey! You see, you find yourself screaming. You see, it's a beautiful place. If you learn that, you will not struggle to pray. You'll not struggle to pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. That is why as you continue to meditate, then there's also another level. The Bible calls Hagar. You find yourself speaking, growling. Growling is part of meditation, by the way. Growling. Somebody mourning. Have you been around somebody and you find somebody praying and they're like, oh, oh, that's meditation. Some of you, it can even come corporate in a way you don't know. Hmm? Like a preacher preaches something deep and you hear somebody say, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> hey, that, that, mm. like that, that thing, that, mm, that thing, that, mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. when you, your spirit has connected to something. That's a man under Hagar. You learn the utterances that speak the world given through truth. Speak forth the world that is given through truth. But also, you take the opportunity of that expression to be able to refuse any vision Satan is putting in your head contrary to truth. You know, some of you entertain negative thoughts. You're seated here, but you're imagining you're in a coffin. They're taking you through Kawasanda. And then, some of you, this is a mistake you do. You just come out of that thought and think another thought. But you have left a story incomplete. Later on, the devil takes you back. You bypass Kawasanda, you enter Mpiji. You're going, you don't know. By the time you know, you come out. Then after two weeks, the devil for him, he knows how we ended here. He carries you back to Mpiji until the place to your home village when they see your cousins crying and the people from Kampala being served porridge. People have even gone back home. No, when you get into that and you see yourself on Kawasanda in a coffin, that is where you say, no, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, with long life he shall satisfy me. I shall go to my grave full of age as a stock of wheat in its season. Then you create an image of you when you're 90. And don't imagine when you have a stick, no. Imagine when you're walking up straight and you say, Capra de Gazonda Kata. That's meditation. Hagar to utter. That is why it was a place of spiritual warfare. If you hear the, the language Paul uses, you know that portion of scripture when he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors? Huh? You listen to the first expression Paul says. He says, nay, in all these things, we, this, this wasn't a man writing, there was somebody talking to his ears. He says, nay, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. But he says, nay, that means some visions came, things that came contradictory to truth. And he said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's a man meditating. 
you see a letter firing you no you say no in jesus name then you continue but some of you just get the mind off there and the devil says to be continued no we have no continuation with you lucifer i have no business with you you have nothing in me in the mighty name of jesus i have no conversations with you somebody shout amen mm -mm, you can't be poor ah! jesus reaches lazarus's grave and the bible says he groaned in the spirit oh! and he says where have you put him glory to god he says where have you put him put away the stone lazarus come forth he says father i thank you because you hear me when i pray when did he pray when he groaned so that means if you met jesus at that tomb you just met the man saying ooh, ooh, ooh. <clears throat> lazarus come forth he was praying Some of you think praying is that spirity, that spirity. No. Somebody can say, mm-mm, devil, mm -mm. And it's enough. You've grown. You've growled. You've roared. <laughs> ah! I just imagine if somebody's just putting on right now live stream and they phone me screaming, they'll be like, but this is here. These Christians. <laughs> There's something. Why is he shouting? Why is he shouting? Hey! <laughs> Praise God. Have you been sick in bed and you, you're there and some thoughts come up and they tell you, mm, it seems you're going to die. And then you find yourself, mm -mm, devil refuse. You come out of bed. <laughs> Anybody has a, you know, you say, mm -mm, I refuse. Matter. Because out of the abundance of the heart, as a man continues to meditate, the mouth wipes speaks hallelujah glory to god and so the ultimate question as i finish is then how do i know or when do i know that my meditation is complete to the desired fruit or outcome psalm 63 verses 5 this is what happens for everybody has done it right to the end of receiving an answer he says my whole being amplified my whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness fatness here means the anointing and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when i remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches this is what happens when a man meditates to the end of that meditation and the answer comes there is a certain joy that hits your spirit. Even before you have seen the results, there's a certain joy that comes through your soul. A certain adrenaline switches on and you feel like you're satisfied. There's a certain satisfaction that comes to you. You say there's a certain fatness. You start feeling the anointing over you and you know mm -mm, this is done. That's when you know that your meditation has come to fr fruition. That's why I tell people, that's how you know a Christian who has learned to pray through a thing and a Christian who just prays. Some of you just pray about things and you leave the atmosphere hanging with many questions. 
rather than godly edification that should come through faith as Timothy teaches. No. Pray until that peace comes. Pray until the satisfaction of your marrow comes. Pray until that fatness is felt in your spirit. Pray until that peace that passes all understanding comes. You know, you sing your melody, you speak words until your heart tells you now you have conquered. Now it's manifested. Now it is seeking to show forth because your mind has already become it. If you understand this thing, you will be healthy, you will make wealth, you'll do things that are impossible. And when you exercise yourself with this over the years, you get to a point where your profiting is evident. People can see that this woman is progressing. If you understand this, never think poor again. It's a place of constant practice. I think that's what the Amplified says in Timothy 4.15. He says, practice and cultivate. Practice and cultivate. Practice and cultivate. Practice and cultivate. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. Not I'll become. I'll become. I'll become. No. I'm I, mean, I can't sing those songs. One day I will be. Uh, <laughs> I don't sing those songs. I don't speak my success to come. I speak my success as is. And I've spoken it while I was still a young man, even before we had cameras and equipment. As those people were with me. We used to tell people, tell those who are watching us across the world, we had no camera. And we were saying bye to people watching us in Saudi Arabia. Say bye to the people watching us in America. To those in Bahamas. To those in China. Those in Kenya. Fiji. We used to say bye to them before anybody. I pronounced being on TBN before TBN thought about me. What are you talking about? I would turn and tell the guy of the piano, increase those keys when we didn't have a piano in the church. What are you talking about? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I would turn and say, who is healed? Tell me which lame man has walked before even a lame man started walking. What are you talking about? I drove Mercedes cars before I even owned one. What are you talking about? I went to America before I got a visa. What are you talking about? You first become it in your mind and live there. Don't visit there. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, some of you get it wrong. Meditation is not a world you visit. You know, some of you get it, you think, ah, let me try to meditate today. No, no, no. Tell your neighbor, meditation is a lifestyle. Tell them again, meditation is a lifestyle. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayst observe to do. He didn't say, and you'll observe. He says that thou mayst observe. When you meditate and speak, things work themselves out. Eh, who got it? He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Thou shalt meditate there in day and night that thou mayst observe, that you may observe to do. 
He didn't say, and you'll observe to do. It's not in your action to walk to a lame man and say, walk, no. But as you continue meditating, that I have the anointing to make lame men walk. And then you continue speaking, Jesus healed. He shed his blood for our sins. And you meditate that for a long time. One day you find yourself walking to a lame man and telling him, walk. You'll observe to do. He says, for thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Meditation is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. I could call it a conditional intervention. Hey, I'm sick. Let me meditate. No. You must understand how the laws of the spirit are set in motion. Because you see, do you know you can get to a point where you're meditating, but it's too late? Because in trying to counter what has attacked you for so many years, you've been feeding this beast that is killing you. That is why some people die and they say, hey, but he confessed right. Why did he die? Yes, he might be trying to confess right in the last two years of his life. Yet he has set 15 years of a set law of thinking and confessing negatively. So 15 minus 2, 13. So you have 13 of negative and 2 of positive. And they might not be enough. So sometimes you don't have the time to change some of the laws that you've fixed in motion for so many years. If you have been worrying for 30 years, you understand? And you think you're going to meditate yourself into faith in two minutes, you're lying. You need to practice and cultivate. But meditation has to become a lifestyle. Every morning, every minute, I'm meditating. The Lord is my witness. Even when I'm playing basketball, there's a scripture in my head. Even when I seem like I'm, you know, busy doing something, there's something in my head, cooking, my spirit, walking around, creating something. When you make it a lifestyle, the Bible says your prophet will appear to all. Ooh, I feel like praying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. These few minutes are there for you to receive everything that has been spoken. As we seek your face, may we know your heart. Feel your presence, acceptance as we seek your face somebody speak in other tongues move on
understanding to them which are simple we choose to walk the way of meditation as your scripture has spoken and i pray for every man woman and child at the sound of my voice that this message has sunk to the deepest core of your being and that it's going to produce fruit that will echo through eternity everything you have heard you will remember and god will build upon to even know more than i could teach tonight in jesus name i have prayed and believed no sin said now let me do one more thing only if you're there and you've never given your life to jesus and you say today pastor i want to receive jesus as my lord and savior repeat this as after me it's the best decision you could ever make for your life say lord jesus i thank you for your sacrifice at the cross on calvary because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Change me. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.